Hey guys, welcome to our new Unleash Plus Whitetail series. This is going to be something we're going to be doing. It's a little bit new that we haven't been doing before. And this is designed for you guys that just absolutely love being in the woods. Um, I'm going to be doing like 10 minute episodes with each week uh, in this. And we're going to look at what it takes for you to be successful, um, you know, in the whitetail woods. We're not only going to cover the basics of whitetail hunting, but we're also going to cover a lot of advanced techniques of uh, things of like, you know, like how to not be seen, heard, uh, or smelled. I've talked about that before. But each week we're going to take a look at the uh, the latest gear, um, some tactics, uh, and whitetail wisdom that's going to make you absolutely <clears throat> going to make you a better hunter. So this week, to kind of start things off, um, you know, a controversial subject, you know, we're going to look at would be around broadheads. Um, you know, I've shot a lot of broadheads, um, especially with four companies, actually, since 2006. You know, there's been some some clear winners, and there's been some really bad broadheads, too, over the years. But, man, technology has come a long way. And honestly, there's not too many broadheads that have really survived since I started hunting as a, as a professional bow hunter in 2006. Um, my first broadhead, you know, it's going back, was, was a bear razor head. And Fred Bear created this broadhead back in 1956, and it was the staple broadhead for a long time. I mean, I can still remember as a teen, you know, putting those in my quiver um, in my parents' garage back in northwestern Pennsylvania, and I'd head up the mountainside behind my parents' house uh, alongside the Allegheny River to a couple of spots. Now, get this, where I had nailed, and maybe you did this when you were a kid, 16-inch wooden steps into the side of a tree, and then I would nail like a little two-foot section from a two-by-four into the Y of that tree when I got up so high. That was my stand. You know, and back then, I never really um, understood how dangerous and how uncomfortable those stands were. But at the time, you know, it, it didn't matter. I felt like, like I was the ultimate predator. You know, getting out of the line of sight of a whitetail was really all I cared about. But I remember, uh, I remember the first deer I ever drew down on. And I was so nervous that all I can remember were my hands shaking so bad. And I think if I remember, I just kind of like, I had like buck fever. I just kind of drew and fired in the deer's direction. And after climbing down those, those you know, creaking nails, steps that I had put in, I remember walking over to where the deer had been standing. And that bare razorhead broadhead was buried into a sapling probably about a foot higher than what the deer's back was. I mean, I was firing in the direction, but I, I was so nervous. And it was going to be a few years before I would actually take, uh, you know, my first deer with a bow and arrow. But that moment, you know, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 17. Uh, that moment in time set my course and passion to be a bow hunter for what I, I get to do now all the time. Um, so, you know, the first deer that I would take um, would be a doe. And I took her at about 15 yards. It wasn't an ideal shot, but I was still relatively young. You know, my nerves got the best of me and pushed me to take a really stupid shot. You know, she was heading towards me and, uh, I thought I could make the shot. You know, I've learned a lot now over the years of what shots to take and what not to take. And I made a bad choice, but it was a heavy fixed broadhead. It was left over like from the 1980s, one that I used to use. It was like almost 150 grains. And it passed through her spine and it went down into her rib cage. But it was an older bow, didn't have a lot of kinetic energy. And the arrow never passed all the way through. It lodged inside of her. She probably went, unfortunately, about 100 yards before tipping over. And the blood trail, because it didn't pass through, was terrible. You know, luckily, we spotted that white belly against the forest floor. And I had my first kill. 
The only problem was I was back in the woods probably about a mile, and I had to, had to ask a friend to come help me get her out. And we tied her um, legs to this like skinny fallen tree, and we like almost like what you would imagine like the pilgrims would have done or the Indians would have done. And we we hoisted you know onto this log under our shoulders, and uh, and carried her out. Like I said, we were about a mile back, and you no, know, neither one of us were really wanting to to admit we were really tired and hurting. But I finally, that next year, I invested into a climbing stand. Um, instead of using like a, a board up inside of a tree, I got finally got a good drag rope and I got a newer bow and, uh, and some newer technology broadheads. Things were really beginning to change. You know, it was probably, oh, when expandables first came out, the reason they were developed is because the bows were getting a lot faster. You know, when you started getting bows that were like up over 280, 100, 290 feet a second, you know, the planing effect that you would get, you know, with these, with your, your fixed broadheads and your fletchings, the speed was so great, it was really difficult sometimes to be able to tune well back then. And so they, they came out with expandables and expandables fly. I mean, really, really nice, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Like there's some trade-offs. Um, but, but if you know, you know broadheads, they, they kill by, by cutting blood vessels. You know, unlike the high energy shock of what a bullet does. And hemorrhaging is the is the result. I mean, that's what you want. You want bleeding. We used to take like a rubber band and, and pull it taut and, and run a, a broadhead between the the, the, uh, the rubber band strands to make sure that it was slicing through because you want a really sharp broadhead. You don't want a dull broadhead. But a lot of the questions have been coming up. You know, I get this all the time. You know, what broadheads are the best? And that used to be maybe 10 or 15 years ago, a fairly easy, you know, question to answer but they've come a long way um, and so do a lot of the penetration tests that they do now the way that they're able to, to do this and measure uh, the penetration you know there's still a few that don't do well on angled tests um, or on durability testing um, I mean personally I have a clear favorite you know that's one of my go-to's after shooting a plethora of heads I mean I I was on pro staff for I think four different broadhead companies and and I and I shot them because I really like them but I absolutely had a, a clear favorite. I'll tell you what that was in a minute. Um, but there's still a big controversy between like fixed and expandable broadheads. I mean, I've got friends that absolutely were curse out, you know, expandable broadheads. They hate them. Personally, I think there's a place for both. Um, you just have to be wise um, what you're using them on and where you're using them. So let's touch base, you know, on that just a little bit more and not so much about like the brand of broadheads. Um, so let, let me just kind of start this off with the brand I'm going to be talking about is one that I've been shooting most of my professional bow hunting career, which started back in around 2006. You know, and since since that year, I've shot, I think I've shot Grim Reapers for all of, but three of those years. And during those three years, I shot for Swacker, I shot for Trophy Ridge and Sick Broadheads, S-I-K Broadheads. Um, you know, they were all great heads and some had some really innovative designs. But overall, my clear favorite um, absolutely was, was the Grim Reaper. Just they've got so many different types of broadheads. And there's some features about them I really, really like. And something I really like about their fixed broadheads, like their Hades, are that they're sharpened not just on the sides of the blade, obviously, but they're sharpened on the back as well. So if you shoot into an animal and you don't get a pass through for whatever reason, and they're running and, it, say, it catches a tree and it's pulling the arrow back out, because it's sharpened on the back, it's now making another cutting path on the way back out, which again, more hemorrhaging is going to happen, which is what you want. Um, you know, on their mechanical heads, one of the things I love about the Grim Reapers is that they don't use like 
uh, an O-ring or a clip or anything. There's nothing you have to mess around with. They have a spring inside of it that holds the, the blades in place and they snap right back, you know, as soon as you, you put them back. So you just fold them up uh, when you're done. You don't have to worry about resetting anything. Uh, they have a, a pro tip series now, which is awesome, steelhead. And it's, it's, it's really, really sharp on that point. I mean, it's bone shattering as well. And I know that some of the testing I saw when they shot it into layered cardboard, there were some penetration tests that went uh, up to 41 layers, some went up to 47 layers deep, which is crazy when you think about how much penetration in layered cardboard that is. Um, when they shot them into a cement block, the tip, it was embedded right into the concrete. I mean, just crazy how, uh, how great this, this tip on their new Pro Series is. Um, they're really devastating. And the advantages of a fixed blade, um, you know, those are pretty obvious. You know, they're a cut on contact blade, which means you don't have to, um, you don't have any slowing of the arrow as it penetrates the hide. You know, so therefore you're giving it more energy to pass through the deer. So there's a clear benefit right there with using a fixed. Uh, they perform crazy well if you hit a bone as well. And obviously they're, they're great on, on angled shots. Um, you know, it takes a lot less pressure to poke through a deer hide with a fixed point. Well, not a lot, but it takes less pressure than it does when you're using an expandable. And sometimes, I mean, when you're using a fixed, you know, if they're really sharp, the deer doesn't even know it's been hit many times, which could result, you know, in the deer not running as hard and as far after the shot because he doesn't know what just happened. So there you have a little less tracking. Um, now, the one thing a lot of guys don't like to talk about is there are advantages to mechanical broadhead. So let's kind of look at that for a second and see what fits your needs best. Uh, the advantages of mechanicals are things like you get a better, better, arrow, better arrow flight. Um, they shoot like a field point. Again, if you've tuned really well, you've got taken care of your bow well, um, you shouldn't have too much of a, of, a, of a problem with fixed broadheads, but you can still get some planing. But the mechanicals, for the most part, fly just like your field point. And, I, and I've, I've done this over and over, and it almost puts them in the same hole. And the other thing is you have a larger cutting diameter in, in many cases, which increases blood loss because you have a bigger cutting channel. And because of the larger diameter, if you don't make such a great hit, you do have a larger wound channel, uh, which increases your chances of recovering the deer if you make a poor shot. Um, you know, there's been some mechanicals out there that have had some problems with the blades coming apart. I've seen some of the testing on some of them. Um, I'm not going to, this isn't my time to start, you know, naming uh, blades on here. I just want to talk about uh, the pros and cons and, and maybe one or two of the ones that I really like. And some people have claimed their, their blades on expandables never deployed or they, they've been bending. You know, I've never had a Grim Reaper not open on, on impact. Um, I've even shot a deer straight down through the spine and the broadhead didn't just go through the spine, it lodged in the bottom of the rib cage. And when I pulled that thing out, it never even broke. It wasn't even bent and the thing still closed in place, which was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, that's amazing durability and penetration. And I wish I could say all the broadheads are like that. They're not, there are some, you know, again, the, the longer the blade is, the less durable it's probably going to be because of that stability with, with the length of the blade, where, you know, when you have a shorter, more compact blade, you've got a little bit smaller thing with a little more power pushing through. But again, there's the trade-off, a bigger cutting channel or something that's a little bit more durable. So you have to look at the animal you're shooting and kind of determine for what, what you want to do. So, um, you know, I hope that maybe some of this stuff was a little bit helpful with you in deciding, you know, what broadhead style is going to be right for you. When I'm in, when I'm in thick brush, 
I like using a fixed broadhead because I don't have to worry about a blade on a mechanical catching and opening up prematurely and, you know, potentially then making a bad hit on the animal or even missing the animal. But if I have a wide open shot and it's the right animal, turkeys, the whitetail special by Grim Reaper is an amazing broadhead. It's good, it's good for, you know, deer, which is a little smaller than, than I wouldn't be necessarily always using them on monster animals. But, you know, whitetails, the whitetail specials, uh, it's a two inch blade with a three inch cutting diameter. It's a, just a devastating head. But for turkeys, I love them too. So, you know, if you found something that you like and you're happy with it, stick with it. But if you're looking for a new broadhead, I can't recommend Grim Reaper enough. I've shot animals everywhere from Alaska to Africa and everywhere in between. And just like their motto says, you really can watch them drop. We'll see you next time.